Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, and welcome back to The Hit Show, where we are having a fire sale. Ugh. <laughs> My name is Daniel Russell. I am the managing editor of D-Rays Bay, and I am joined, as always, by my dear friend, Darby Robinson. Hello, Darby. Hello, Danny. Weird stuff. Weird <laughs> stuff is happening. You know, I was at a bachelor party this weekend when all of this went down. Did I tell you this? (laughs) So I was kayaking for six miles. We get back. We go out to a fantastic New Orleans style dinner in downtown Tallahassee. We're having a couple beers and playing some cards and my phone starts blowing up. And I love these stories because it's become among Ray's fans. Where were you? You remember exactly where you were when you looked at your phone and you saw the Tampa Bay Rays DFA Corey Dickerson. Yeah, I was uh, I was also out. Every, I think everybody from D-Rays Bay was out doing things, just relaxing, enjoying life, enjoying life, realizing that the offseason is slow and nothing is happening. And then and then just everything happened all at once. <laughs> the Rays DFA Corey Dickerson because they acquired a guy named CJ Crone. After that, they traded Jake Odorizzi. And then as we record, we are basically two hours removed from a third shocking trade of Steven Souza Jr. to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, yeah, what a week. What a what a three day week. Uh, <laughs> it's um yeah. Yeah. So Saturday night, big things happen today. More big things happen. And I honestly don't know how I view this team right now. I thought I did. I thought, Hey, I had, you know, had time to crunch numbers and kind of think about things and read stuff over the weekend. And now, uh, a whole kind of earth shaking move that really does sort of change the math a little bit. Well, these are two very different series of moves. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to divide those between Saturday and today, Tuesday, the Saturday moves were all about shedding payroll. And I don't think there's any way around that because moving Corey Dickerson and then moving Jake Odorizzi uh, within probably, I think those moves were probably done about four hours apart from one another uh, based on the timelines of what it seems like things got done. I could be wrong, but they were two distinct moves based around shedding payroll. Now acquiring CJ Crone that adds 2 million, but the other two players going out removes 12 million. And that's huge because Jeff Sullivan penned a really wise article where he said, I'm not sure the Rays are all that much worse by trading Corey Dickerson. (laughs) Sorry, rewind, designating Corey Dickerson for assignment. How insulting. Uh, We could get to that. Uh, Just such a painful way to cut your all-star. And 
I mean, Jake Rizzi was by veteran presence, the number two in the starting rotation, but realistically maybe the fifth best starter, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what Nate Eovaldi actually is. And that's a a little bit of a rude awakening as well. Um, But uh, the reality is that Corey Dickerson performed poorly in the second half. Yep. That's, that's also being kind of friendly as well. His, his second half was the, First half, Corey Dickerson's version of a bad, bad part. It was he was as bad in the second as he was in the first as he was good in the first half, if that makes any sense. Uh, It does, because he was outrageously good, so good that the MLB public voted online to make Corey Dickerson the starting designated hitter. That doesn't happen often for any Tampa Bay Rays player that they become popular. Now, I'm guessing right now the Tampa Bay Rays are the opposite of popular writ large. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Corey, Corey Dickerson was just bad. And right now he has a profile where if you were to move forward with him, you would probably call him a platoon outfielder. Now, the Rays had great success with him at designated hitter. You and I have talked about how designated hitting is a skill Mm -hmm. and not the easiest thing to do. So instead of a platoon outfielder, maybe he gets more consistent plate appearances as a designated hitter. But on a Rays team that's trying to rebuild and and flush out the old and bring in the new. uh, And when you're stuck with Denard Spann on the roster, he is a bit redundant. And uh, Jake Odorizzi, I mean, the rising fastball is still fun. I think the twins love it. The twins definitely think Jake Odorizzi's rising fastball is going to do something. Um, But I think the race are an opportunity to say, hey, we have a ridiculous amount of pitching depth and we're going to move forward. That was shedding payroll. Yeah, let's... um I think that's sort of the big key. You mentioned Jeff Sullivan's article. Uh, I, I was kind of in a, a a whole like rabbit hole today reading different hot takes around MLB. There was one um, on beyond the box score that mm-hmm. uh, that I just thought was kind of below beyond the box scores kind of usual analytics take and more of like a, a emotional take, which is fine. That's its own. You know, it's an op ed. If you will, it is an op-ed. Yeah, it's it's an op-ed straight out of the uh, uh, Wall Street Journal style of op-eds, which are heavy on emotion and maybe lighter on actual reality. Um, but I think when you say we got rid of the number two starter and uh, an all-star, that sounds a lot worse than we got rid of a guy who is projected to maybe be a one-win pitcher. Uh, who had actually zero. He was, um, he had 0.1 wins and he made 28 starts, uh, Jake Odorizzi. So really rough year. And a guy who, uh, in Corey Dickerson, who's projected to be maybe a bit better than a one and a half win player. Those are very replaceable. Um, Those are not great players. In fact, Seth Smith is sitting out there on the free agency and he's basically Corey Dickerson. You can replace him right there. And you sure. Well, Neil Solons and Mark Topkin on Neil Solons' podcast this week in Race Baseball, which you, if you have not listened to yet, turn this off and go listen to that first. Uh, they ran through five names of free agents who they felt like were competitive, if not better options for teams that needed an outfielder than Corey Dickerson was today. Mm-hmm. And the Rays designated him for assignment that starts the seven day clock to trade him. We might be in a situation where the Rays are unable to trade Corey Dickerson, which is shocking. 
and and then what's going to be wild is uh, he's going to clear waivers probably, and that will also be another sign that people don't really want him for six mil. I I think they're they see him as a a good but flawed player. Um, the return for Jake Odorizzi is interesting. Uh, a lot lighter than people were thinking for a former, you know, big time prospect and a for you know, a guy that was ostensibly the number two starter for the Rays. I think perception of these people is a little bit different than value. And that's, that's something that we haven't really, we kind of keep coming back to in baseball. And, and that kind of comes back to the, you know, the sort of start of the analytics movement and the start of sabermetrics and the start of Moneyball. The idea that you're not trying to replace Jason Giambi, you're not trying to replace Johnny Damon. Uh, but those guys, because of their names, their production becomes even, you know, more valuable in a way because suddenly it's Johnny Damon giving you uh, three or four wins rather than, you know, player B giving you three or four wins. And, and there's not a, there's not a ton of popular, well-known Tampa Bay Rays players, but these were the household names. Yes. Other than Chris Archer and Kevin Kiermeyer, who are 100% locked down to long-term deals and not going anywhere. These were the guys who were getting expensive arbitration that were being moved. Um, but th- these are the players that you know. These are the guys on the commercials. And... Uh, when it when it's a starting pitcher who's been consistently there for many years, the fan base knows who he is. Even if he's not the best, consistency means that everybody knows Jake Odorizzi. So mm-hmm. th- there's definitely elements of this that suck. Like it's not fun. And how much more painful that the Rays players have already been in camp together. These are moves that we would anticipate in January and would have been logical. And we've been able to talk through them and then everybody shows in the camp ready to do something else. But this delayed off season adds that level of pain and frustration where these players are coming together, working out together and thinking that, Hey, we're a team and we're going to move forward through the season. And then you're getting pieces pulled away. That, that's, that's kind of the biggest thing. I think timing is where these moves kind of are the gut punches really as much as it hurts to lose players and the Rays have lost quite a few very likable players, especially uh, Steven Souza and Evan Longoria, who are who are kind of as important off the field as they were on it. They were they were guys that just seemingly in the dugout were were uh, just cheering players on and and really being that that kind of heartbeat of the team. But normally a team like the Rays, they had to kind of get lower in payroll and and they had to kind of start shifting towards the future. That was clear with the Longoria trade. This this delayed offseason did kind of shift everything, but so far up until this this the Susan News, which is a kind of its own category, up until this point, nothing out of the ordinary has sort of happened. Uh, Dickerson being DFA'd rather than traded is shocking, but he also could be traded in a day or two for some uh, lotto pick, which is pretty much what players of that profile usually get. And there was an option that, you know, once we got Denard Span and we can't really move him is that maybe you move Corey Dickerson instead. So not exactly mm-hmm. shocking. Jake Odorizzi is a fine pitcher, um, but you also have uh, Honeywell, um, the top prospect, one of the best right-handed pitching prospects in all of baseball. 
he was ready last year. So you got to have a spot for him. Plus you also have guys like Jose de Leon and uh, Matt Andres, Ryan Yarbrough, lots of really talented guys that are ready to pitch in the majors, start in the majors, uh, who don't have a spot. So Odorizzi is also fairly superfluous and you expect him to be traded. Longoria, as tough as that is, he was also sort of expected to be traded. But then you get to the Steven Souza move and that becomes, it, it feels something totally different. Well, let's talk about the difference between the Steven Souza trade and the trades that we saw on Saturday. Because I agree with Jeff Sullivan when he said the Tampa Bay Rays, as of the Saturday deals, were not a worse team. There was not a big drop off between uh, having a team that has Corey Dickerson and Jay Guterizzi and no CJ Crone, who adds this first baseman and removes a, a couple expensive pieces. It was kind of tinkering. It you you remove the big names, but it wasn't a big difference. But this Sousa trade is massive, and the Tampa Bay Rays are definitely taking a step back and losing who was the team. MVP from the previous season. Souza was worth, uh, by Fangraph's measure, nearly four wins last season. Uh, he was the most consistent uh, player on the field. His defense is extremely great. His offense was quite productive on a consistent basis. Steven Souza was also a huge part of the clubhouse. He had grown into that role of Steven Souza hugs were so important that there's a Tampa Bay giveaway that was planned of Steven Souza hugging doll. Uh, he was becoming not only a veteran presence, but one of the faces. And he wasn't that expensive. He's only making three and a half million dollars. But this is different because it looks like the Arizona Diamondbacks picked up the phone, called the Rays and said, I'm going to God offer you into giving us Steven Souza and tempted the Rays into making a move that they otherwise probably would not have because as of right now, the Rays don't have a right fielder. Yeah, they also don't have a single right-handed outfield uh, bat in the entire 40-man. Um, it's This is a big move, and, and I totally agree uh, that, again, we have to look at players uh, as value rather than as names and as hard as that is. And you have to look to replace value and the Rays pretty much uh, with the Saturday moves as shocking, as crazy as they are. And they, they kind of had done that. The, the team was still pretty much right in line with maybe, maybe not competing in 2018, not being terrible, but not being maybe great, but being around a 500 team that if, if all goes well, can boost up. But now with Sousa. Can I, can I jump in right there and say yeah. which, which version of the 2018 we're talking about? Because we need to remember that this rebuild year is a pivot year. This is a mm-hmm. year where you start saying we are going to introduce all these prospects mid-season. So right now, third base is Matt Duffy's ghost. Uh, shortstop continues to be a Danny Echeverria. Second base is a big question mark. It's kind of up for grabs. And first base, I guess now, is a, a Brad Miller, CJ Crone mix where the other player also maybe sometimes DHs with Denard Span getting in the... It, there's, there's this amorphous situation going on at second base and DH, but there's a lot of veterans just kind of milling about and the Rays aren't exactly sure what they have yet. Second base could be Ryan Schimpf or, or uh, Joey Wendell, Wendell or, or yeah. Micah, Micah Johnson. Yeah, it's 
right now I think is very tough to it's not Willie Adamas Jake Bowers is not in the mix Uh, Christian Royal the acquired prospect is not yet uh, expected to be introduced right away Uh, Brent Honeywell will continue being in the minors even though he's 100% ready for the majors because the collective bargaining agreement says that these players need a couple weeks in the minors if you want to have an extra year of team control and the Rays would absolutely never ever give that up so the, the rookie movement is coming but it's not here yet so and it was always going to come pretty much in in June uh, yeah. so you have 100 games with these guys not 162 I think right now is also really tough because you an off season is generally not done until till kind of training camp and maybe a couple of weeks into that Right now, off the offseason is sort of just getting started with training camp, which is kind of, again, a strange thing. With these moves, the Rays have lowered payroll. That means they could actually reallocate some of this money into signing a player. There is a lot of players unsigned, which that you might have heard in the news. It's a big story. Um, mm-hmm. Players like Logan Morrison, who is still out there, who most articles about kind of how the Rays have have done a fire sale is that they've they've gotten rid of all of their great players like Logan Morrison, which in reality, he's he's still there. He's he's just waiting for calls from people. Um, and and you have guys like Logan Morrison, you have guys with like Lucas Duda, who are both with the Rays. They're available. You could bring them back in. You could make trades. Right now, it's weird. Uh, what do the Rays look like on opening day? But we we don't even know what this team is. It's still in process. We're still there's still moving pieces, and and it's hard to say this team is a full rebuild, full tank. When you have moves like keeping Denny Hechevarria and Brad Miller, uh, and you you sign Sergio Romo, so that's where I think the biggest. Um, kind of confusion and, and, and sort of uh, outrage kind of comes from is that it is expectations versus reality coming into a clash when you're thinking, okay, Longoria was traded. That's a big gut punch where we're tanking. No, we're not tanking. We're, I guess we're actually kind of working towards playing well and maybe kind of competing, but not really, but sort of really focused on 2019 to now we're, oh, we are tanking again. But we also sign people. And so I guess it comes down to let's actually kind of break down Steven Souza and this trade, what they got back, because this is the one that is odd. Steven Souza had a breakout year in 2017, becoming a, a, a three to four win player. But is right. that Steven Souza? Is he a three to four win player or is this a, a breakout? I would think he has one more three win season and him. Sure. I wouldn't bet on every year being a three win season, but I think he could do it one more time. And that means he's a serviceable, good major league player. And that means that the Rays, if they actually intend on competing and uh, forgive me, putting their money where their mouth is, uh, not actual money though, like monopoly money, because it it would probably be a trade. They would go find somebody else. Um, or Jake Bowers breaks out of camp and is selling the right fielder. They're going to have to do something. They're going to need to replace Souza. Uh, this was a long winded way of saying, uh, this trade is not like the others. The Longo trade, we've already litigated that. Um, we don't have to like it. Maybe Matt Duffy approximates 
uh, Evan Longoria. Uh, the Saturday trades, the Rays are not worse. Today they're worse, but they're getting back prospects that they didn't want to say no to. And I think I think now is the time where we need to transition to talking about what the heck are the Rays acquiring? Because I think the most important question that we have not answered yet is at the highest level, what are the Rays doing? What are they actually trying to accomplish? And it looks like they're trying to move to a place where they are team focused on pitching and defense that has uh, speed and contact hitting as mm-hmm. their long term projection. Basically saying that uh, home runs maybe are cheap <laughs> or uh, corner outfielders and first basemen uh are easy to come by and they expect mm-hmm. them to continue being easy to come by. And what we need are other things right I, now. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think that's a great point. And I, and I don't want to move on from that because that anytime the Rays make moves or teams like the Rays, yeah, you start to think, Ooh, what's going on? What's the, what's the zig where what's happening when the Rays sign a guy like Jose Molina to a contract, you're like, Jose Molina, the the worst of the Molina brothers, who's a backup, who who's a he's not even a good baseball player. And the Rays sign him and they're like, yeah, this guy's our starter. And you're like, what? He's he's terrible. Turns out Jose Molina is one of the best pitch framers in the game and he's incredibly valuable. So when you see a team like the Rays start to zig, you start to think. What do they know? Or at least what are the analytics telling them? I think you raise a good point with them zigging in a way that the rest of the industry really isn't. If we walk through all the different prospects and players that the Rays are acquiring, actively acquiring to be part of the roster now in the near future, it's a lot of really similar profiled guys. Uh, It starts with Christian Arroyo, who uh, maybe the overall package seems ambiguous. Is he a third baseman? Is he a second baseman? Uh, You're not really sure. But anytime you acquire a shortstop prospect who may not stick at shortstop, that sounds like every single major league player who's come up who's not cemented in the outfield or at catcher. That's most guys. So Christian Arroyo comes up and or comes into the system. And what we know about him is he's a contact oriented guy with uh, great wrists and man, he puts the barrel on the ball and his intangibles are off the charts. You know, he's a grinder. He works hard. Okay. And then you acquire CJ Crone uh, for a player to be named later. That's a little bit of an odd thing. Uh, when I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, that four hour difference, this is a sidebar. Um, Corey Dickerson got cut because they were able to acquire CJ Crone. CJ Crone's being acquired for a player to be named later from the Angels, and that transaction will work itself out at another time. And to make room on the 40 man roster, Dickerson got cut. A few hours later, the Odorizzi trade happens. But CJ Crone, what do we know about him? Uh, wow, that's a dude who can hit. You know, he's going to hit from the right side, but uh, he's got great wrists and he can put the barrel on the ball. And hey, look, there's some power there for somewhat of a defensively ambiguous profile, but uh, you know, it's probably going to work out. He has more major league experience than the other guys, but sure. Jake Odorizzi gets traded, and honestly, Jake Odorizzi is the type of player you could have held on to to the trade deadline and tried something else later, but it seems like the Rays really liked what they were going to get. If you follow the media rumors, the Brewers seemed very confident they were going to get Odorizzi into their system again. 
but it looks like the Twins bid high with a low A 21-year-old shortstop. Well, that's confusing. But then you talk to some Twins writers or uh, peruse their Twitter feeds or read some articles or check out Baseball Prospectus, which ranked the, ranked the player in their 11 to 20 category. So uh, not a top 10 player, but, you know, top 20. Uh, we, we've got a little bit of an ambiguous profile, but man, he works really hard. He wants to get better every single day. He's got great wrist. He puts the barrel on the ball and, uh, you know, he's going to work hard. Okay. And I'm starting to sense a type. And then we have this (laughs) Sousa trade and tell me if you've heard this before, but they acquired a second base prospect named Nick Solak, a 2016 early round draft pick. Hold on, Danny. is this guy? <laughs> does this guy have? Uh, he has poor contact skills. Is what you're saying, right? He's going to have. Poor uh, actually, it's weird. This is a contact hitter overall. He seems to what? be pretty adept at that. That uh, is but, shocking. But here's the thing: even though second base, there's a little bit of question there. He's a 50 grade prospect. That that projects as an average major league player. Um, and, and and we know that because his intangibles maybe help him rise above a little bit because he's got this burning desire to improve all the time. And, you know, he's going to work hard every day. That's what the, the write ups say about him. And I would say that also kind of sounds like Willie Adamas. Let's be honest. That was kind of the profile, this little bit unknown, little bit under the radar prospect acquisition where, you know, he's a grinder, you know, his tangibles are off the chart and everything else is going to follow. So the Rays have been zigging in this direction for a while, but now it's extreme. Now there's a ton of noise. And as you're very adeptly pointing out, home runs seem to be cheap. Strikeouts are no longer going to be acceptable. We're going to work towards something else where uh, the Rays seem to be looking for guys who are going to work really hard and they're going to drop their anchors on pitching and defense as they used to do and a bunch of youth and they're just going to figure it out. Why not? Why not do the opposite of everybody else and and try to get the best value that you can? Because the Rays are getting 50 uh, future value grades. Uh, we we love to read fan graphs and the MLB pipeline grades that are our public knowledge. Uh, Baseball America has grades as well. If you're not familiar with them, the 20 to 80 scale is what's most common for evaluating prospects. And if you get a 50 grade overall on your prospect profile, you project to be an average major league player. That's really good. And in most seasons, that is a top 100 prospect. Now, right now, there happens to be an inordinate amount of 50 grade prospects in the baseball world. So that means you might see a top 100 list that does not have Christian Arroyo in the top 100. Well, that's because we've arbitrarily cut it off at 100. And really, there's 130 guys like that right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or, you know, you could say Lucius Fox maybe deserves to be a top 100 prospect. Well, now you're talking about, well, is he a 50 grade or not? Because 50 used to be the cutoff. Now, the Rays got two players for Steven Souza with 50 grades on them. And the other guy 
Banda, Anthony Banda is a left-handed pitcher who's already on the 40-man roster. So there's your one-for-one onto the 40-man. He's going to go immediately into the mix, but he has a 50 grade. And that grades as a number four starter. It's possible. Mm -hmm. He's a guy with a good fastball from the left side. Uh, He's clocked at 96. He's been increasing his velocity over the last couple seasons consistently. He's got a great changeup. And if that breaking ball finds consistency, instead of a reliever, look at that. He's a, a serviceable starting pitcher. 50 grade. And there's two more players to be named later. So is Steven Souza worth that? The Rays got the call and they said yes. And they were more willing to move on from their team MVP for the sake of two 50 grade prospects and two players to be named later in a three team trade that actually helps the Yankees as well. I think that adds a little bit more punch to this because it's not just sending Sousa to the Diamondbacks for four dudes. This is actually a three way trade in the background where uh, Nick Solak uh, was a Yankees prospect, formerly teammate of Brendan McKay at University of Louisville. It, and that's that's sort of where the interesting thing comes in is the Rays when they target players. I, I think it's it seems like at this point people should have learned by now that the Rays are actually pretty good at targeting other teams prospects, even positional prospects, while a lot of the the ones the Rays have drafted in the last kind of, you know, since the 2009 draft haven't exactly been, you know, elite all star level guys. They've been able to target some really interesting players that have become top 100 prospects, including Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers. Uh, and sometimes they make moves where it's it's kind of like, what are they seeing? I tend to uh, lean on the side of when smart teams make choices that I am that I don't understand. I tend to start to think. Well, I'm probably not smart enough to understand this at this point. And maybe <laughs> I'll come around on this once I kind of figure out what they're doing. And, sure. and I think that's uh, I think that happens a lot. You think, like, what what are they seeing in these guys? I wasn't as big a fan of Christian Arroyo because I, I kind of was like, oh, we're going with power and strikeouts. I had been trained to think that's what we we're doing. And and I also I firmly believe that strikeouts aren't really that big of a deal. It's no worse than any other out. But it is interesting that maybe Guys like Ryan Schimpf, who is a high strikeout guy, but a high power guy, can be had for practically nothing. And then guys that have a different profile are not found uh, on the market. And so we're on the cusp of something that maybe becomes commonplace. And we're like, oh, yeah, how did we not see that? And right now it's just very confusing and scary and and frustrating and and, and, uh, makes you say naughty curse words all loud (laughs) and scare your cats and dogs. Well, let's be honest about the 2018 Tampa Bay Rays, because right now this is an ugly look. There's no way that you can get rid of Evan Longoria, Corey Dickerson, Steven Sousa, Jake Rizzi, and you're not bringing back Logan Morrison. You're not bringing back Lucas Duda as of right now. And you're not bringing back Alex Cobb, who the Rays did give a qualifying offer to and could have made him a very well-paid pitcher. And mm-hmm. Cobb turned that down. Now, it was very likely that Cobb turned it down to try to go get uh, a better than a one-year deal. But... There's there's no getting over the fact that the Rays offered that in the first place. That meant that they were willing to pay Alex Cobb, mm-hmm. you know, north of 15 million dollars. 
and those are the those are the things where I, I, I kind of go in down to are, are you making an argument and writing about the Rays in bad faith or in good faith? And I, I right. see Jeff Sullivan's article about how, wow, the Rays made some weird moves that I didn't expect. But it turns out they're actually not that much worse. Again, this is before the Sousa trade that, that they actually by moving these pieces, it ended up equaling pretty much by giving more playing time to certain guys like Honeywell and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Then you have arguments in bad faith where the Rays are pocketing money and and they're tanking and, and they're, they're swindling money and they're running out in the middle of the night with the big satchels of, uh, uh, of, uh, money and cash that have a big dollar sign on them and have cartoony villain plots. And so when you look at what the Rays are doing, are they, are they straight up tanking? Are they acting as bad faith actors? Are they completely uh, making a mockery of the sport of baseball, as I've seen people on Twitter expel? Mm-hmm. Or are they are they in a transition period where they are sacrificing current wins for future wins? And Probably. is that is that going to look like a? I just I just don't still see it, even with Souza as a true true tank because if you are truly tanking it's pretty easy you 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 can cut uh Denny Hechevaria and Brad Miller and pocket that cash uh yeah. you, you shouldn't tra- you shouldn't sign Sergio Romo you should sign some some vet for a league minimum uh you you can you can I can you can do this better you can if you really just want to st- st- take a bunch of cash you can do that better. So the way well, the Rays have made moves. players that the Rays have not traded. And you raise a great point about yeah. not cutting Echevarria and not cutting Brad Miller. Now, these guys would, at this point, you could cut them and it would cost them, what, $3 million in, in terms of the CBA's argument. Like you have to give them one sixth of their salary, something like that. I haven't looked at it because it's not a real possibility. The Rays are keeping these particular vets on board because they think that these particular vets are going to help them in the short term. And I mean, in the first half of 2018 there and look who's still here. Kevin Kiermaier is still here. Chris Archer is still here. Alex Colomay, the guy who led the American league in saves last year is still here. Now, could one of them get traded? Yeah, Colome could get traded. I could totally see that because closers have had awesome returns in trade value. But that's not the market right now. Maybe Colome gets traded at the trade deadline. Or maybe the Rays are good and so is Colome. It's hard to tell. This team is going to suck. And even if they're good on the field, it's not going to be super fun. Because you're going to be watching television and you're going to say, I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that simple. Like, do you know what Ryan Schimpf looks like? Really? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't know what he looks like. <laughs> you vaguely remember what Jake Faria looks like. Unless you're on Twitter and then you definitely know what Jake Faria looks like. <laughs> but that's kind of where we're at. If Nate Eovaldi passed you on the street, you would not notice. And he, it, you know, if we're talking about vets getting getting their fair shake, he's the number two in the starting rotation. So this is going to be a really odd time to follow Tampa Bay baseball. And it could be exciting. It could be interesting. It will be interesting. But it's not going to be what you want it to be. But in the long term, all the race have to do is be right. 
if they're right and they've made the right bets on the right young players and they've kept around the guys that they think they needed to keep around and it works, no one's going to remember this podcast and very few <laughs> people are going to be mad about a presumed fire sale. It's well, that that's, that, that, that's a great point about they just have to be right. Um, basically people have short-term memories and it is a results-based sport, even though you really should go through a process-based uh, way of doing business, operating. Um, I actually will, will kind of, <laughs> this is kind of interesting because the idea that this team is going to suck and it's going to be, it's not going to be what you want for many people. Being an 81 win team is not what they want. Mm-hmm. Now, now league average is for some people kind of a dirty word because it's like, Oh, that's, I want all stars or I want to, I want to tank. I basically, I want a, a team that's, that's winning projected for 90 plus wins or let's go for 70 wins and, and try mm-hmm. to get that top pick, um, which a lot of teams are doing that. I don't think the Rays are truly going for the bottom and I think they don't really care. I think they're going for high variance and the, the, the low end or the high end, it doesn't really matter this year. I think this year is sort of its own year. And then 2019 is really where the window opens. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of things, 81 wins, the team that was on paper, guys like Souza, who's who's maybe a, a two win player year in and year out with with, a, again, like a maybe a three, four win season in them, maybe a five win season in them. But mostly he's a he's a guy that's a, a bit better than league average, who who has power as defense and who's a lot of fun. And Corey Dickerson, who's probably a little bit closer to league average, uh, definitely not quite as good as Souza has been so far. And uh, Jake Odorizzi, who's a league uh, average guy. 80. So, WRC plus in the second half. <laughs> That's that low, closer low, to yeah. so, so those guys are, are, you know, good. They're good players. And this team as built were pretty much projected to be right around 500. And with some good luck, that can bump you into a playoff run. And that, and that actually is not a bad setup. And that's kind of why I was hoping for us to reroll the dice and, and keep everybody. But I also understand the idea from the Rays to, to make this pivot because you are sitting at a, a fairly pedestrian aiming season. And now the variance is higher. So you could have a bad year. You could have a really rough year, especially if, if guys like William Adamas and, and, and uh, Honeywell and, and Bowers all come up and they struggle right away, which, which rookies tend to do. Um, you could have a really rough year, but the variance is, is there and it can swing the other way. So I think for a lot of folks, this might be what they wanted. Um, people have wanted to tank in a way. And, and I don't think that this is that, and I don't think that's what they should do, but pivoting and, and actually rolling the dice on something new isn't a terrible idea, especially when the team as it stood was, it's not like we're breaking up the, uh, you know, the 27 Yankees. This is a team that struggled offensively mightily. Steven Gatsilla made that point that, you know, you're, you're taking away the, the, the second, third, the first, second and third best offensive players, but it's, it's that from the, from one of the league's worst offenses. So is that, you know, are you really losing anything or is this maybe saying we're going to try to move towards something that's going to be a lot better than, than barely above league average 
with a new set of guys. It, it's got higher variance, but it, it's at least that got that upper end. It's got that kind of hope. And, and uh, it gives the Rays the room that they need to assess who they are and what they're going to be moving forward. Because there are a ton of young guys that we just got to figure it out. And Kevin Cash and his coaching staff need an opportunity and the room to cycle all these players through and figure out who's good and who's not. And it's hard to do that if you have dedicated plate appearances being given to a struggling Corey Dickerson or even Steven Souza, who is good and is above average. Um, he he maybe gets in the way as well. If you actually think the long term future for Jake Bowers is right field and you think he'd be wasted at first base for for whatever reason, his athleticism on defense is too good and you need to put him in the outfield. Well, then we're going to have a problem with Sousa playing right field next year. And right now it looks like they're able to trade him for a lot more. And it's worth mentioning uh, two things about the race GM, Eric Neander. For one, uh, he was very firm this evening in saying with the media, the Sousa trade is not about the money. The Arizona Diamondbacks picked up the phone, were extremely persistent, really wanted Steven Souza, and they put an offer on the table that we weren't going to walk away from. Okay. Well, that's what you want from your GM. Uh, unless you are postseason bound guaranteed, you would expect your GM to say, okay, we're in the middle of the pack. All right, I'm willing to flip that right fielder because you got offered me into this situation. That's a plus one for, for the work that Eric's doing. But I would also say there's no version of the Tampa Bay Rays where we think that Eric and his crew are operating in bad faith. There's no version of these events, including the Longoria trade, where we think that Stu Sternberg has sat back and said to his front office, look, you got to get rid of these players no matter what. If you don't do it, you're fired. And I don't care how bad the team is. We have a long history of this front office making moves in the best interest of the team. Now, some people say the team is too cheap. That is different. That is a different conversation than given their restraints. Is this team operating in bad faith? Now, whether or not the team has enough money, we're going to have to side by that for another time. But given the realities of the situation that they're in, I think the Rays are trying to be competitive. And it's for that reason, I expect that the next time you and I have this podcast conversation, that we have a new right fielder being introduced from outside the organization. Whether or not that's a free agent or a trade, I'm not sure. And hopefully by then we know who the players to be named later are in the Sousa deal that made it so uh, unable to walk away from. But I think this team thinks they're competitive. Now, I think it's harder to see that than in previous seasons. But since 2013, they've thought that they were competitive and it's been bad. There was one season where they almost had the number two draft pick and then Alexi Ramirez hit a really awesome... Whatever it was, a, an RBI, and lo and behold, we dropped to the fourth overall pick. I don't know. But it sounds like, and I wasn't sure where we were both going to stand on this when we started this conversation, but it sounds like we both think these Rays are trying. Even though I it's think- ugly, and even though it, it feels like a fire sale or feels like a tank, um, it sounds like we both think that the Rays are going to continue to try to compete. 
I, I think it's it's one of those things where it depends upon your uh, definition of of compete. But this team doesn't feel like it, a tank or a fire sale at all. So I, I definitely am am far far from that. And uh, we're we're in uncertain but interesting times. And honestly, that's that's pretty fun, uh, especially from a writing perspective. Yes. And I'll forgive the uh, far outside observers who just think that ownership doesn't deserve this team or something like that. I totally get how it looks. But if the Rays are right, everyone will forget about it later. It's not fun. These conversations are are interesting, but not the most fun podcast that we've ever recorded. Um the, the big thing, the big thing here is this is this is tough as a as an analytics driven baseball guy. Yeah, I can talk about uh, process and I can talk about uh, changing contact to from power and all and all of that. And there's there's some really interesting articles to be written here. Um, the the news also comes, though, as as people. And uh, I, I loved watching Steven Souza play baseball. And today we are not going to get to see Steven Souza play baseball for the Rays. And seeing pictures uh, of him in training camp today and and how um, you know full of life he is to see uh, him not be on this team anymore uh, that is tough. That is something that breaks through the uh, the kind of numbers. And even though the Rays might be right. And uh, I can I can appreciate the process. It still hurts to not have uh, guys like like Souza on this team and and not there in, in 2018 and going forward. We'll miss you. Big hugs, big hugs big for you, Souza. All right, Darby, take us home. Well, yeah. If you uh, if you want to listen to more of this, we're going to be breaking down all sorts of fun and crazy and frustrating things happening with the Rays. There's always more exciting things happening in this off season. So uh, I'm glad you tuned in. Hopefully you tune in next time. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, D Rays Bay is the Twitter account and Brett Phillips, who will be back on the show soon. Uh, I promise has been killing it on Twitter and uh, it's worth a follow just for him because he, yeah, he's taking the Sousa trade very well. He is <laughs> uh, very calm, very peaceful, very Zen and definitely uh, no, it's it. He, he rises to the occasion of, of, of insanity. That's uh, it fuels. It fuels him perfectly. Fuels his um, heart. But thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time with more. Yes. Sad, frustrating, you. and interesting yeah. baseball conversation. Yeah. Life of a race. Right. Love you, Darby. We love you. All right. See you next time. For Danny, I'm Darby. And for Dustin in the studio, this has been The Hit Show. <laughs> <laughs>